the 12 Terms of Christmas. In this brief seasonal podcast, we will cover the meaning of a dozen familiar terms related to Christmas, yet they're terms that are seldom understood. In fact, I I would guess that the majority of people don't understand the majority of these terms. How about you? Well, you can find out as you listen how many of them you already really understood. We'll begin with the word Christmas itself. Nothing is taken for granted. Christmas comes from two words, from Christ and Mass, as in the medieval Catholic Church. It's thought that that comes from the words the priest would say at the end, go, um, the, the Mass is over, it's finished. Uh, and the word Misa becomes the word Misa, and Misa becomes Mass in English, and there you go. A connection has also been suggested with Luke 2.29, where Simeon, the old man who finally, well, he's lived to see the day of the Christ, uh, he says these words about, um, you know, now you can dismiss your servant, basically because my heart's desires has been filled. And being dismissed, that's also related to that word mass. A little complicated? Maybe so. But that's where Christmas, Christmas comes from. The second word is Noel. And Noel, also spelled Noel with a W, comes from the Latin word natalis, which means the day of birth. So it's just another word related to the day of Christ. It reminds me of the Spanish language. You say Feliz Navidad. Well, Feliz, happy. Navidad is birth. It's not mentioned. The the phrase does not uh, entail the word Jesus, but that's the Navidad. That's the birth that this refers to. And so Navidad, Noel, it's all the same. Number three, Xmas. Now, I've heard people complain saying that the secular state is trying to take the Christ out of Christmas and basically just replace it with an X. This is really quite an amusing misunderstanding. It's the opposite of anything. X in Greek is the first letter of the word Christ. Now, in the notes that come with this podcast, it's all spelt out. If you're not catching everything, no problem. But it would look to an English reader that Christ was spelled X. P-I-C-T-O-C, Christos. That X, that he, is the C-H in Christ. It's just an abbreviation. And very often in art, in manuscript, copying of the Bible and other sacred texts, that word, that letter X was put in to represent the whole word Christ simply to save time. It's not secular. It's actually a very Christian thing. Number four, the 12 days of Christmas. And, you know, what are the five golden rings and the the two turtle doves and so forth? Um, I won't be going into the song, but the 12 days of Christmas begin on Christmas Day, the 25th of December, and they end on what's called Twelfth Night, which is January the 5th. That's the, those are the 12 days of Christmas. Now, interestingly, in the eastern part of the Roman Empire, now what what are the Orthodox churches, Christmas is celebrated after those 12 days. It's celebrated January 6th. The Western part of the Roman Empire, not the Greek-speaking East, but the Latin-speaking West, the Catholic side, celebrated Christmas on the 25th. You know, actually, when we lived in Sweden, we followed their custom, which was to celebrate Christmas on the 24th. And really, it doesn't matter what day you do it. It's a fun thing uh, in all cultures. So the 12 days of Christmas 
begin with the 25th, they don't end with it, and they end on 12th night, which is January 5th. Another word that's probably been obscured through the mists of time is Yuletide. We say Yuletide. What is that? Well, tide is time. It's an older English word meaning time. Yule, in many modern Germanic language-speaking areas, uh, the word Yule is the word for Christmas. I said we were in Sweden. Yule is the word for Christmas. So Yuletide is simply saying Christmas time. Okay? The sixth term may look, may be wondering, what am I going to do with this? It's the word in. As in, Joseph and Mary are looking for a place for her to have her baby, and there's no room in the inn. What is the inn? Well, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verse 7, we read this. She brought her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And we think of inn, we think, well, what was it? Was it a Hilton, a, a, a Marriott? What kind of hotel was this? The word is kataluma. And it's certainly true that in the Bible, kataluma can mean inn, inn as in a lodging place. But the strict meaning of kataluma is upper room. And this has to do with the way houses were built in Palestine at the time. The humans in, in a good-sized house would be sleeping upstairs. The animals are downstairs. Downstairs is where you would find the food trough, the manger, which is our seventh term, just a moment. So there are two possibilities. It could be that there was an inn, and the inn was full, no surprise. I think it's a little more likely, I'm not certain, but it's a bit more likely that they looked to relatives or friends of family to see if they just might squeeze them in. There was no room for them upstairs. And so they had to uh, put them in the animal area. Number seven, manger. And if you're from Europe, the word creche, because many English speakers, South Africa, Britain, uh, think of the creche. Creche and manger both have originally the same meaning. It's a crib uh, where food is put for animals. Manger, the French verb to eat from the Latin word for chew, which actually comes from the word glutton. How's that for trivia? This word shows up not only in Luke in a number of different passages, but also in Job and even in Proverbs. So manger sounds, oh, sounds very Christmassy, but there's nothing special or Christmassy about it. A manger is simply a food trough. It's where you would put the slop that the animals would eat. Now in Britain, creche has two meanings. It's a nursery for young children to be taken care of during the working day, or even at church services. Uh, when we lived in Britain, I lived in Britain, I guess about eight years or so, the creche is where it's basically the children's ministry for the little children. And in the normal creche scene, you would have a some kind of a crude shelter. You'd have the food trough but not only the Holy Family and the visitors, the kings, the wise men, the shepherds, but also an ox and a donkey, apparently from Isaiah 1, verse 3, and maybe from 
well, it's a fake gospel. It's called the Gospel of Pseudo-Matthew from the 7th century that has an ox and a donkey. And so the creche has a much bigger meaning. It's, it's like, it's everything. All the people visiting and all the animals. And St. Francis of Assisi in the 1200s, actually, one Christmas, he had a living creche. That is, he brought all the animals into church. He did a lot of things that were kind of unusual, but definitely got people thinking. So manger is a food trough, and a creche, it's the same, but it has a larger meaning, which is kind of the setup. It's the whole uh, array of the Holy Family and those visiting them, both human and animal. Number eight, Emmanuel. Emmanuel, Emmanuel, it's spelled different ways. Listen to the Hebrew word, Emmanuel, means with us God. This is one of the names of the Messiah, God visiting his people back from the book of Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. So simply with us, God. Now it says in Matthew's gospel, chapter 1, that he would be called Emmanuel. This is more like a title. It's something remembered or idealized or honorific. Uh, it, It explains his identity. I don't believe he was called Emmanuel. That is, I don't think Mary... Uh, asked for Jesus by calling, Emmanuel, come here, can you help me? But it's a name as more as a a title, an explanation of of who he is. Then we come to the Magi, the Magi, M-A-G-I, Magi, some people say. These are actually Persians. They're priests, magicians, because the priesthood, the, the religion of ancient Persia, now today, the Iranians are almost all Muslim, but back then, up until centuries after Jesus, they were Zoroastrians. It's another religion completely. And the leaders are these astrologer priests called Magi. Now, in the early church, these became big persecutors of the Christians. Um, They killed quite a few of them, forced them to flee. But in the a story of the birth of Jesus in Matthew's gospel, the, these priests come and they recognize that Jesus is the king of the Jews. Herod, who is nominally the king of the Jews, remember he says, let me, I too want to find him, you know, send me message when you get some intelligence on this because I too want to worship him. Of course, the way Herod worshiped people was by killing them. And so the Magi are good people in in the Gospel of Matthew. We have bad Magi later on as persecutors of the church and probably the most famous Magus we can name, which is Simon Magus, Simon the Sorcerer in Acts chapter 8. All right, so these are Persian astrologer priests. What's the theological point? The insiders have missed it, but these outsiders, these Gentiles of an exotic religion, they are noticing that the king of the Jews is being born, and the fact that this is the true God who's visiting his people. And so it's a real uh, shame. It's kind of a slap in the face. Okay, term number 10, the massacre of the innocents. And perhaps you've heard of that. In Matthew chapter 2, we read, when the Magi had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, 
took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. Let's go a bit farther. When Herod realized he'd been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. He gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old or under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. And the writer of Matthew sees a deeper fulfillment uh, from the book of Genesis here in the life of of Jesus, or it's really the lives surrounding Jesus, because Herod targets, he, he wants to make sure he kills this threat to his kingship. And I think there's indication that uh, this is this, this is not in the early weeks of, after Jesus' birth. Jesus is now uh, living in, uh, let's say, a better place, and it's later on, maybe a year later or more. And so to be sure, Herod targets all the boys two years old and younger in Bethlehem, and some scholars say that might have been as many as 20 little boys, but also in the vicinity. So we don't know, but these were completely innocent. Uh, Herod is known for planning the deaths, the executions of thousands of people, of innocent people. And here they are, uh, toddlers and babies, the massacre of the innocents. That's what that means. Number 11, wassail. Here we come, wassailing among the leaves so green. I sang in a boys' choir when I was, well, when I was a soprano, uh, when I was uh, nine or 10 years old. And we, we learned about wassailing. And that simply comes from some old English words meaning be healthy. Now, they, they usually did this with a toast. They'd be drinking something alcoholic and appropriate for the season. And it was a wish for the health. You know, like saying to your health, salud, prost, gesundheit, whatever they would say. So wassail is simply a way of wishing people uh, happiness and health in this dark winter season. And the last word I want us to look at is the word carol, which is not only a woman's name and a man's name, but it refers to certain songs at Christmas time. It seems that it comes from a Latin word, choraula, which means to dance to a flute, but no one really knows for sure. Sometimes the Christmas carol is called a Noel, from that French word for Christmas. And I want to uh, simply read the words, not sing them, of one of the most famous carols, and this will be, I think, an appropriate ending to our study of these 12 terms of Christmas, which we may not have known so well. The word Christmas itself, Noel, Xmas. The Twelve Days, Yuletide, In, Manger Kresh, Emmanuel, Magi, Massacre of the Innocents, Wassail, and Carol. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph.